Hello and welcome to our podcast, Boozy Books and Movies, where my wife and I are going to get really drunk and talk about books and then how they compare to their movie or TV show counterparts. Hello and welcome back to our podcast, Boozy Books and Movies. My name is Colton. And I'm Melina. And today we're going to finish the chapter that we've been on for a long time. Yeah. The Footsteps in Cantaloupe, right? Footsteps in Cantaloupe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll finish that chapter up today. It'll be a short little episode, and the next week we'll continue on with the next chapter, which is called Yellow. Yellow, I'm guessing that he finally realizes what the goddamn yellow bra strap is. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. So, this this uh, this last section, I think, is probably the most horror we've had from this book so far. Yeah. I don't know, but... I guess I'll start. We're on section 17. Almost done with the chapter. Uh, This is a pretty short section. Well, let's recap what actually happened last time. Section, so section 15 was when Ralph was getting ready to go to the meeting with Marcy, uh, except for 8 p.m. And um, Ralph wasn't very hungry for dinner at 6 p.m., so he decided to go to the hospital and visit Fred Peterson. And then Jeannie wanted Ralph to call her when the meeting was over with Marcy um, and to tell her everything that happens. Um, Ralph says that he just he's just going to come home and tell her what happens instead, which I think I commented last, up, last time on that they probably won't ever meet each other again because whenever someone says something like that, like, oh, I'll just tell you in person instead, usually that means that one of them is never, you know, not going to be alive to have that conversation or something. So, And then section 16, we went into... Ralph going to the hospital, meeting Jack Hoskins, Jack tells him to fuck off, and he went and saw Fred and then ran out when he saw him, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now we're we're starting with 17. So Ralph, he ran out of the hospital and he decides to call the station um, to sa- talk to Sandy uh, McGill. She's like the secretary, kind of, mm-hmm. or whatever. At some point, Ralph learns that um, something is going down in Canning Township. Oh, yeah. The phone call. Semen-soaked clothing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Was that, that was in section 16? Um, no, that was kind of over, like, the last, like, four sections, like 12, oh. 14, and All right, 16. my bad. So, <laughs> the semen-soaked clothes in the barn. Yeah. Um, he, Ralph is calling Sandy about it, um, and Sandy says that she's not supposed to tell Ralph anything, so Ralph is like, all right, I understand, and so he hung up. And then he was like, well, I think Yoon Sablo will tell me later. Uh, anyways, because Yoon's on my side. He's my homie. Um, so then it gets to 7 p.m. And if we remember correctly, the Mercy meeting is at 8 p.m. So uh, it's 7. And he's he says it's too early to show up to the meeting with Marcy. So Ralph just decides to drive around town. And he would just started thinking about the case. And that was pretty much everything for Section 17. Yep. Section 18. Um, so Ralph goes to the Marcy's house, and, uh, he goes up to the door, and Alec Pelly answers the door and lets Ralph in, like, leads him to the kitchen, and then Marcy, Howie, and Alec are all sitting at the table with coffee cups, but, like, no one offered him one as, like, a power move, pretty much, and then Howie tells Ralph that this is painful for his client and to keep it brief, and then Ralph tells Marcy about the kid Merlin Cassidy and how he had, like, stolen the white van, driven across a few states, and that he had left it in Dayton pretty much the same time that uh, Marcy's family was would have been in Dayton, Ohio. He also told Marcy about how they have Terry's fingerprints from 
Cap City, that would have happened, like, pretty much cleared him of the murder. Mm-hmm. Because he can't be in two places at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Marcy starts talking about, oh, Ralph asked Marcy, like, why they were in Dayton, Ohio. Like, why is that your vacation spot? And so, um, she starts talking about Peter Maitland, which is Terry's dad, um, who has advanced Alzheimer's disease and is in, like, a memory unit in a hospital complex. And... So, Terry grew up in Flint City, right? That's where they live. Okay. Yeah. Um, but his dad fell in love with the secretary, and they, like, relocated jobs to go to Dayton, Ohio, and then he, like, divorced Terry's mom. So, like, Terry did not, like, look upon this favorably, and he did not like his dad, because his dad just kind of left him for his secretary, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. So, but Melinda, Terry's mom, insisted that he keep going and seeing his father once in a while, just to have a father figure in his life. So he did, even after his mother died in 2006 from a heart attack. So they were in Dayton for five days, and Terry went to visit his father three times, no more than an hour or two throughout those five days. So mm-hmm. Max, like, six hours mm-hmm. with his dad. Yeah. And then Marcy said when they were in Dayton, they mostly hung out at the hotel, in the pool, went to a few movies, like an Air Force museum and a science museum. So Ralph asked Marcy if they had eaten somewhere called Tommy and Tuppence, which was the flyer that they had found mm-hmm. and talked about. In the van. Yeah. Yeah. She said no, that she would have remembered a restaurant with a name like that. And then Marcy couldn't think... Oh, Ralph was asking Marcy if she, like, she thought anything was strange that happened when they went on... Then when they were in Ohio. And she said no and was about ready to tell Ralph just to, like, leave fuck off pretty much. When they got interrupted, um... Sarah Maitland was, like, standing in the doorway, and she said, Daddy got a cut. Um, Marcy asks what she is doing downstairs, and she says that her sister is already asleep, but she was worried she was going to wake up again tonight, because last night she had more nightmares about the man with the straw for eyes, <laughs> and if she wakes up tonight that she needs to give Grace a shot of Benadryl. And then Sarah turns to Ralph and says, My mother says you got my dad killed. Is that true? And he responds, no, but I played a part, and for that I'm deeply sorry. I made a mistake I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. Sarah responds with, that's good, you deserve to, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. And Ralph asks if Sarah can elaborate on the cut, and she said it happened when he went to visit his father, and her nurse fixed it up right after, and put betadine and a band-aid on it, and it was okay. And then Sarah turned to go back upstairs, but then said that the Tommy and Tuppence restaurant was, like, up the street from the hotel. She remembered seeing it when they went to one of the museums. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Children ratting them out. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about our drink of choice. Oh. That's Fireball. We're drinking Fireball. <laughs> I think we need a shot. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> slurp, slurp, slurp. Grizzle, grizzle, grizzle. We can make, like, the <laughs> ASMR of, like, pouring alcohol and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, so moving right along to section 19. This is uh, kind of in the perspective of Ralph. Ralph Mm. asks further about this cut that Terry receives. And I also noted that Alec Pelly is kind of curious too. He did. He, he kind of pipes up. There. Yeah, he kind of pipes pipes up too, and he's like, "Yeah, what about the cut? Oh wow." Um, but Marcy and Howie are just kind of hesitant to reveal any information about it because you know, 
They're, you I know, mean, they're trying to cover their yeah, asses, too. They are, but the, I mean, I almost wonder if they're starting to think something... Like, I know Ralph and his wife has definitely talked about Supernatural and what if this could yeah. be Super... But I'm almost wondering if people are, like, starting to think that. Maybe. So, they do finally reveal that the Cap'n... The, what did I just say? The Cap'n? No idea. The cut happens on the third time that Terry visits his father. So he only visited his father three times, if we remember. Mm-hmm. And it was only an hour to two hours of each visit. So on the third visit, he gets this cut. So they say that. And so important thing to remember here is that Marcy says what, what Terry said. Because no one alive was there to witness this incident. Right. So it's all taken off of Terry's word, which I think we would believe to be true. Right. But... So Terry says that an orderly ran into him, and because the floor was wet, because the janitor was just mopping, the orderly slipped and grabbed his arm, which was the cause for the cut. And so that was that was pretty much it. So they just said that he got the cut from the orderly, um, and, you know, that was, you know, they patched him up, um, and that was pretty much it. And so, you know, Ralph kind of had a question and they didn't want to answer it and so Howie was like what is what does that mean what does the cut mean you know he, he's like he's kind of on to Ralph he's like okay this cut has a connection to something what what is it you know and Ralph doesn't he's like I don't know I don't, I don't know it doesn't I don't know you know it, he doesn't really have a, a in his mind it doesn't have a connection yet but he mm-hmm. he kind of thinks maybe it's something will come of it and they know that he knows that there's something more to this, mm-hmm. but they don't. But you know how Ralph, just like Howie and Marcy, aren't going to reveal too much of their cards. So uh, this is pretty much the end of the interview. He Ralph stands up and shakes uh, Howie's hand. Alec escorts him outside, um, similarly to how he was the one that escorted mm-hmm. him into the building. But once Alec and him are outside alone, he kind of questions him. Alec asks Ralph about the cut. He says, you know, what, you know, what's this about? You know, is there anything more to this? And Ralph said that he just wasn't sure yet. And so um, Alec goes into, uh, I don't know if it's just a play or if it's being sincere, but Alec just kind of says that the arrest was completely fucked. um, But Alec said that if he had a son, just like Ralph, then he would probably have done the same thing in Ralph's shoes, you know, arresting him so publicly, so quickly, just mm-hmm. trying to get this sick bastard off the streets. Um, so Alec is essentially trying to say, like, I get it. I know why you did it this way. I probably would have done the same thing if I was in your shoes. Like, I, I get why this arrest was made so publicly. You know, I think it's kind of like a peace offering. Like, you know, I don't think that you're a bad guy or a bad cop per se. I mean, I obviously the arrest was fucked because... There was a lot of evidence saying that he didn't do it, but there was a lot of evidence saying there was he did do it. So, I don't know. Kind of like a peace offering from Alec. Um, so, he, Alec essentially says that they are probably on the same side here, and he could help. Alec could help Ralph with the investigation. Um, but Ralph kind of in the end is just like, nah, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of section 19. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Can you not handle this anymore? Oh, I can handle everything. <laughs> I can handle everything. Okay. So, section 20. Um, Ralph was telling Jeannie how it went. Like, he went back and told her how it went. So, your prediction of him never seeing her mm-hmm. again was absolutely 100% false. I was very wrong. Um, <laughs> so, he was telling her how it went, and his phone rang. It was uh, Yoon Sablo, and he wants to meet the next day and talk about what they found with the clothes and canning. He mentioned, like, 
that, like, they found something with the cult. Like, mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's just the semen they're going to talk well, about. Well, but... he made it very clear that he had a lot to tell Ralph. Yeah. Like, there was a lot to unpack here. And yeah. And he didn't want the reader to know yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, Hewn says the clothes are going into evidence and everyone is... Because everyone is convinced that Terry did it and he's dead, so, like, people don't really care anymore about this. Right. They think that the case is closed. Right. But, the big um, The big deal is, is that it's going into the wrong evidence. It's not going into the Terry evidence. It's just going into the county evidence. Not the city evidence. It's going right. to the county. Well, yeah, because it was, like, county, yeah. Because it was the county... Jurisdiction. Like, jurisdiction. County not, Township is not in the city of whatever, right. Cap City, Flint, or Flint, Flint City. city. So... It wasn't being put with Terry's stuff. Right. It was being separated and Ralph didn't And they know didn't why. really care. Because, because they don't care yeah. because the case is closed because Terry did it, you know. So um, they decided to meet at a coffee shop called O'Malley's Irish Spoon at 10 a.m. the next morning. And then, like, Ralph asked if, like, he had all the interviews, like, on his laptop. And he said yes. yes. So they're going to, like, bring that and they're going to, like, discuss things the yeah. next morning. So, yeah, like, all the firsthand, you know, interviews right. that they had made about the Terry case. Right. Yeah. And he's going to have them all there, too. So that'll probably be an interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so that was the end of Section 20. And now we get to good old Jack in mm-hmm. Section 21. So, shots? Yeah, I was doing a shot after every section, but we had, like, two really short sections, and okay. it was fun. <laughs> Whoops, I just poured myself a big shot. Mm-hmm. Slurp it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you even taking it? <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> Section 21. <laughs> so, Jack Hoskins... <laughs> He stops by Gentleman Please, you know, the strip club from earlier. Uh, he's drinking, he's drinking a couple shots, whatever, he's oh, watching. It, it said it was like, t- or it was vodka and something, I can't remember what it was, Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. And I almost made the drink. Ah, that would have been great. Yeah, I just, I didn't have like whatever it, yeah. the other thing was, so. So he's drinking, and he says that in his mind he's watching the fully clothed women and so what fully clothed meant was a bra and underwear. <laughs> they weren't naked is essentially what it is. <laughs> it's um, not a topless or a fully nude strip club. <laughs> yeah, well, I probably, I, I think it was earlier, right? Or, I don't know. I don't think so. It was at an off time or something, I think, maybe. Um, and so he's watching the fully clothed women on stage humping each other. Um, he went to pay for the drinks, and then the bartender says that the drinks are on the house for whatever reason, which I think is interesting, because in the show, he goes to Gentleman Please, and he gets in a bar fight, and then this time, he goes to Gentleman Please, and he gets the drinks on the house. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. So, after having these drinks, uh, he's deciding to go back to work, and so he drives to the barn for the investigation, um, and he was saying that it was a pain in the ass to be driving out there at this time of night. You know, he's, this is bullshit. I'm on, I should be on vacation. I don't want to be investigating some stupid ass barn. This is a pain in the ass is essentially his <laughs> attitude towards this whole thing. Oh, in that phone conversation with you and Sablo, I don't know why I didn't write down, but they said Jack never showed up. To where? Barn. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That was in that conversation. Oh, ah, okay. That Jack never showed up. I didn't up. pick that up. He said they... 
Jack never showed up, but I feel he the said reason why he didn't he show up is because he went to the yeah he, he went, went to the strip club yeah that's the reason why he didn't mm-hmm. show up on time. Well, to them he didn't show up at all because right. everyone had gone by the time he got there. Right. So he was saying it's pain in the ass, and he pulls up, and no one else was there, like we were saying, because he's late, you know, <laughs> like hours late. Yeah. Uh, and so he went to call on his radio to, to complain to the rest of the force or whoever should be there. He went to his radio to complain. Um, and, but that's when he realized that there was no service and he said, there's no service out here in South Jerkoff. So mm-hmm. that was his name for this Canning Township township is it's South Jerkoff. Um, so Jack is like, well, fuck it. I guess I'm going to go look at the barn real quick and then go back to the bar. Um, so Jack slowly walks to the barn because he did, he, you know, he realizes there's no one there. It's really creepy. It's dark out. You know, he's like, he doesn't really want to be there. He doesn't want to go into the barn. Um, so he slowly walks up to the barn. The doors are wide open so he can see inside of the barn. And when he looks in on the far side of the barn, there's a man standing there. Um, and so he's like, ah, fuck. Okay. Um, he reaches for his gun and he realizes that he left it in a small safe that he keeps in his truck. So he doesn't have his gun on him. He has no firearms or anything. So that wouldn't be easy to get to either because the safe. Yeah, you'd have, have to put in a code and it's stuff. It's in maybe. like they make them so they fit in your glove box. Yeah. So yeah, I've never have seen to one like that. A code in and. Like, Do you? Okay. Yeah. So. So yeah, he doesn't have a gun or anything, but there's this random guy there. Yep. Super sketchy. So. Jack drops his flashlight, and as soon as he goes to pick it back up, he this is when it realize he realizes, wow, man, I'm a little tipsy. I'm you know I'm I drink alcohol like I'm not okay. Right. <laughs> uh, so he he picks up his flashlight and then he shines it into the barn again, uh, and then the man's gone, and it's like okay, <laughs> we're gonna die. So <laughs> he even says that he's like, this is the night I'm gonna die. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, okay, I need to get the fuck out of here, and I just need to go back to the strip club. And that is when he realizes that the man or creature or whatever is behind him because he could see the shadow from the light of something. Um, something is casting a shadow that he can see that there's a man behind him. Um, and so Jack tries to move, but he can't. I don't know if that's out of fear or if it's something supernatural, but he can't move. Um, in his mind, he's thinking like, why the fuck didn't I grab my gun? Why the fuck did I even get out of my vehicle? Why the fuck didn't I just turn around and go home or to the bar? Like, what the fuck? Why did I even go to this barn? And that also leads me to believe like maybe it was supernatural. Like something was compelling Jack to go to the barn. Maybe. I don't know. We don't know if this right. is a supernatural story or not. I mean, obviously it kind of is because it's scripturalized, but I don't know. You know, we don't know yet. So this is when suddenly someone, like, he thinks that someone suddenly touches the back of his neck and he describes it as a hand as hot as a hot water bottle. Jack tries to scream, but he can't. Um, so he, he stood there for two seconds or two minutes. He did not know. Uh, he couldn't tell time, apparently. And he described it as this thing caressing the back of his neck until suddenly it was gone. So this is when Jack is like released from his trance or whatever, yeah. and he turns around and he there's no one there. And so Jack quickly walks back to his truck and gets in. Um, this section I'm kind of confused about. So it, the the section says he cringed when a wind driven shadow raced across the rear view mirror. 
And so it was just like a shadow caused by the wind? Like a shadow, but like there was a gust of wind with it, I think. Okay. So like you can't really tell if it was a shadow or if it was wind. Okay. So he doesn't really know. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So he gets in his car, his truck or whatever. You know, he kind of ran to the <laughs> to the car. Um, and then he started the engine and he drove back to the main road on a dirt road. And he was driving like 50 miles per hour on a dirt road. Like that's pretty intense if you're driving 50 miles per hour on a dirt road um and on his way back to the club or wherever he convinced himself that nothing had happened at all and so i have a really good feeling that when he does get back to the force or whatever he's not going to tell anybody about this incident at all he's going to cover it up he's going to say oh nothing nothing happened you know i feel like if he does say something to ralph then it'll help Ralph in his investigation but i don't think jack is going to say anything i I don't i don't because i think ralph connect the dots a little bit better you know jack jack this is his first experience with this case is a supernatural thing so he's like yeah. fuck it this didn't happen i'm fucking crazy it was you know right so i feel like this is important for us but it's not going to be important to the characters because jack is not going to reveal this information until either it's too late or he's just not going to reveal it at all because he's going to be dead or whatever right I don't know. so yeah so crazy stuff we don't know if jack is hallucinating we you know it could be that or it could be just He's seeing the fucking straw for eyes got, you know, man, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. So that's the end of section 21. That's all I have to say about that bullshit. Yeah, that is the end of the chapter. No section 22? I don't think so. Unless I didn't write it down. <laughs> I could have gotten too involved and not written it down. You never know. Oh, I guess you're right. No, that's, yeah, I, no. I wrote Nothing down, at all is the end of Yeah, the... you're right. I wrote down section 22, Melina. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. nope. So that was the end of the chapter of uh, Cantalopidopides. What was, uh, so at the end there was a reference to that, the book, the title. What was that? Hang on. It was. Something about Cantalope. Oh yeah. So it was the conversation Ralph was having with Yoon on the phone. Okay. And Sablo says, we may crack this yet, Ralph, but I don't know if we'll like what we find. This is a pretty deep forest. Actually, Ralph thought as he ended up the call, it's a cantaloupe, and the damn thing is full of maggots. Yes, so referencing his analogy Mm -hmm. from earlier. Yeah. Yep. It all comes together. Yep. Biggity bet. So that is the end of that chapter and all those sections. So next week we will... uh, We're like halfway through. We're halfway through the book. (laughs) Unfortunately, though, it is like not even close to being done with the show. Like, Like we're on... No, episode we three. We need to two read a lot episodes. more. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I think next we gotta finish the next chapter at right. least, and then we'll maybe watch an episode. But yep. So yeah, next week we'll definitely. Well, next. So not next week, but the week after, we will have an episode on the beginning of the next chapter, which is yellow, and it it's... takes place from July twenty first to July twenty second. Yep. Starts with O'Malley's Irish spoon. Yeah, so we're going to figure out what happens during that conversation yeah. between Ralph and Yoon Sablo. It's a pretty long one, I think. But and that's all you. <laughs> it's all me, because I'm the, I'm the odds. Odd so. numbers, yep. yep. All right, cool. So that's all we have for, for now. Yep. So you catch you guys in a couple weeks. Okay, well, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Thanks so much, and don't forget to listen every Monday.